Hey, would you um, open your Bibles? I don't even know where to start. How about the book of Psalms, chapter 2? It's right in the middle there, on page 478. Verse 1, why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. And he who sits in the heavens shall laugh. and The Lord shall hold them in derision. And then he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. And verse six, Yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion, and I will declare the decree the Lord has said to me. You are my son. Today I have begotten you. And ask of me, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. And you shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. And now, therefore, verse 10, be wise, O kings. Be instructed, you judges of the earth, Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son lest he be angry and you perish in the way. When his wrath is kindled but a little, blessed are all those who put their trust in him. It's been said there's a story uh, that in 1815, June 18th, 1815, the Battle of Waterloo, not the one that happened in Iowa, another one. Battle of Waterloo that the, uh, the, the English were holding on with uh, bated breath because Napoleon had taken over all of Europe and the only thing left was England. And they had sent their, uh, their general, the Duke of Wellington, into battle against Napoleon. And it was long before the internet so they were waiting for word as to what would happen. And it was said that there was a, a man who would, was standing at the, uh, the tower of the Winchester Cathedral, looking out across the sea, waiting for a signal from a ship to say what had happened, whether they had won or whether they had lost. And so that night, a, a fog had set in, which was common. And he's looking, he could see the lights, and, and he made out the words, Wellington defeated. And the fog rolled in, and he couldn't see the rest of it. And so word began to spread that, that Wellington had fallen and that Napoleon had won. And an hour later, the fog lifted, and the message had gone out again, but this time Wellington defeated Napoleon, what a difference it makes when the fog lifts. What a difference an hour can make. And I think that when we look out across our world right now that it can seem like we're getting defeated. It's, it's foggy and it's confusing. And this morning, I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna be upfront with you. I'm gonna ask us to pray in a moment. Uh, as a church, we haven't done this in a while, but open mic prayer. And so I want you to be thinking about that. But just for a couple of minutes, I wanted to share with you some thoughts from Scripture that might help guide our prayers this morning and might guide our prayers through the week and through the rest of our time this side of, of heaven. Because when I'm looking through the fog and I'm looking through the narrative of the news media or our politicians, I'm getting half of a message. I'm getting a message that has something, uh, they've got something to gain from the message that they're giving me. And the narrative is one of confusion, it's one of fear, and some of it is confusing because, well, it's, if I'm looking at the narrative, if I'm looking at the, just through the fog, it is confusing. It's confusing to think, okay, so I thought we had, I mean, do you remember the first time you heard the word Taliban? You'd never heard of it before, right? Like, what, the, what, what is that? 
and then it's Al-Qaeda, and then it's Boko Haram, and, then, and this list has been going on and on and on to the point where I don't even know who the enemy is anymore because there's so doggone many of them. And this week we got a new one, Khorasan, which as it turns out is most likely a name given by the administration, not one that they've taken on themselves. Uh, there was a news report this week of the guy that was really surprised, one of these high-level officials going, that was completely classified. I had no idea that, like, the first time I knew that it wasn't classified was when I read it in the newspaper. Now, interestingly enough, it has eschatological, say that fast, huh? <laughs> eschatological, I'm only gonna say it one more time because that's all I got for this early. Uh, implications, if you're a Muslim, Part of their hadith, their tradition teaches that when you see the black flag rising the, this, from Khorasan, which is basically the area of Afghanistan, Pakistan, Turkestan, this entire area, that they, they, that's part of their, their left behind. Like if they had a Kirk Cameron, he would star in that thing and that would be their thing. So that was, there is a meaning behind the word. It is a specific territory. But it's confusing because really they're just Al-Qaeda. They're really just... A, just one more bleed off of the same old thing and at the end of the day they're not just from Al-Qaeda they're just from the pit of hell so whatever we want to call it whatever the media wants to call it what's happening is the heathen quote unquote are raging the people are imagining crazy stuff and if I'm looking at just that narrative alone I can get a little wound up and I can get a little scared I can get a little confused and I can get a little worried And I think, I believe that if your narrative is confusing and if you are afraid, that you are not listening to the narrative of Jesus, of our Father. Because 1 Corinthians 14, if you have your Bible, you may make a note and go to it later. Paul tells us that God is not the author of confusion. So if you're confused, if it's confusing and it's muddy, you can almost be guaranteed that that's not God. God is sophisticated. He is complex. But he's not confusing. The gospel is so amazing. So what Christ did at the cross, the work that he did for us, is so sophisticated that theologians have studied it for centuries, but it's so simple that a child could understand it. It's not confusing. And if you're looking to confusion, you're not looking to God. And I think that it's a total trap of the enemy for us to get caught up in the confusion of it because it takes us away from our Father. It takes us away from his narrative. And I'm gonna get to that in a minute because the other narrative is not confusion, but it's one of fear. There, there's, a, there's a narrative of the silos of our news, uh, and I hate, sometimes I hesitate to even call it news anymore, of, of the bullhorns on the TV. But they draw us into silos, and so this silo, you know that this is exactly what I'm gonna hear, and in this silo, this is exactly what I'm gonna hear. And again, if it's about the narrative that they're creating, on the internet especially, the old days, if, if a little lesson in marketing here, in the old days, a, marketer, a marketing guy would just go write a giant check to a network who would uh, then put the ad on the TV and we would all, you know, and they had no idea how well their ads were doing and weren't doing. Now they can know. Because when they write a check to a website, they write a check to the, you know, to whoever that's on the web, they can check clicks, they can track views. And so what the news media has learned is in those, especially in an online world, that the way that they're going to get us to look at it, which is the way they're gonna get paid, is with sensationalism, with fear, with emotion, truth is kinda important, but it's more important to get us to click on it. If you've heard the phrase clickbait, that's what it is. If you've ever seen the little thing of, oh, this little boy, this dude, he, he saw this puppy, that did, and, 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 he, and you'll never guess what he did next, like that's clickbait, because you clicked on it and now they're gonna get paid because you looked at it. So the same emotion that sucks you into the Upworthy website to be, you know, for that is the same emotion that they want to draw you into to sell their ads to their people. And then for us, it really doesn't matter about truth anymore. It matters uh, for us as whether we're going to click it. And for us, then it's a question of, do we really want to believe the guy that makes money off of making me look, 
or would I want to believe the guy who became man, the God who became man, the God who interrupted time and went to the cross to pay for the sins of you and I and rose again? Would I rather believe him or that? Because the author of fear is not God. Hebrews 12 verse 2 says that Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. Do I want to believe the guy that's reporting the news or do I want to believe the guy that's writing and authoring the story itself? That's not just semantics. When I pull back the curtain and look, you and I, all we're doing is reporting the news. We're reporting what we've seen. Jesus, God, Jehovah is writing the story himself. He is the author and the finisher. Everyone else is just a reporter. If you're being driven to fear, you're not being driven by Jesus. Now that said, there are some crazy things going on in the world. But I'm here to tell you that we don't have to be afraid. I look at this narrative and I think, you know, you look at what is God doing. It says in, uh, in Psalms that he is laughing. And I wonder if, and forgive this if this feels a little shallow, but, you know, it's me, so what are you going to do? Is that when you've watched an episode of a prank show on TV or one of these videos where they're pranking somebody and you're in on the joke, and, but the person who's about to be pranked has no idea what's going on, what are you doing? You're sort of laughing in anticipation of this. Now, pull back the curtain and think if you're God and you've, you're infinite, you're infinitely large, you're infinitely small, there is no beginning and no end that you don't even exist, you exist outside of time. And you know what's happening and you see what's about to happen to the enemy who incidentally is Satan himself. It's kind of funny because he's walking right into it. Like he's walking right into the trap that the Father has set for him from the beginning of time. 1 Corinthians 2 says that had they have known, they would have never even crucified the Lord. The only person more surprised on that day than the people standing outside the garden tomb was Satan. In a, oh, drats. And God laughed because he walked right into it. And I think that what we see on the ground level right now through the fog, it looks a little hopeless. It looks a little scary. But when you pull back the lens, if you were to look through God's eyes and not through the eyes of Matt Drudge, if you look through Jesus' eyes and not through the, the, the MSNBC network, if you look through the Father's eyes and see what's happening, I don't have to be afraid because he's laughing. When I, we're gonna, I'm going to show the video in a minute of Nagme Abedini, but we've known Nagme's been a friend of our, our, our church for a while. And if you've seen the news, you, most of you would know, but her husband, Saeed, has been in prison now for two years. And when I think, do I want to take the narrative of the news media, the politicians, the who? And I, and I put that even on the church. There, there are a few people you could turn on the TV tonight that will scare you a lot about what's happening, what's coming. And, oh, and conveniently, you now can order your uh, survivalist kit from my church website or from my ministry website. I wish I were kidding. <laughs> do I want to believe that or do I want to believe Jesus? And, and if you would... Turn with me to Matthew 28, and we're going to get ready to pray here. I, I want to say this and, and bring it back to Nagme here, but there was a time when the world was upside down 2,000 years ago because they believed that Jesus had come to set up a new kingdom. He had 12 guys, 11 by this point, who had given everything for him. And he's dead, he's gone. There was fear, there was, are they gonna come from me next? I mean, keeping in mind that the culture that Jesus stepped into was much more close to the culture that Saeed lives in than what we live in. But then something happened, and we know about it, right? That it was 
on that third day that he rose, that an angel came in and just like a little flick moved away this thousand pound, this stone that couldn't be moved. But I was really intrigued by this because the, it says that an angel appeared to them, told them, don't be afraid. And in verse eight, it said, this is the two women, Mary and Martha, it says, so they went out quickly from the tomb, listen to this, with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples word of what had happened. They had just seen the stone rolled away. They had just heard from a messenger, from an angel. The messenger told them it's gonna be okay. And they still went out with fear. But it wasn't until they went to the master that their fear dissipated. You'll see in the verses following that, they, that Jesus appeared to them and then their fear melted away. And I would say to you this morning, don't look to me as a messenger to dissipate fear. Go to the master. Don't go to the media to dissipate fear, to even an angel appearing to dissipate fear. Go to Jesus. He is the author of what is happening. He is completely sovereign. He is not surprised. He did not fall off his throne when Coruscant was like, wait a minute, I didn't see that one coming. I didn't know, did you know that? I didn't know. Before there was time and after there is time, Jesus is the, the word I am, it's, he, he exists outside of us. And so I wanted to bring that message to you this morning because when I listen to even myself, and I, I'm, I'm kind of a news junkie, I'm completely fascinated by this stuff. Like I love trying to understand it, but even understanding it doesn't bring peace. It's Jesus that brings peace that you can look to your children and say, I'm bringing you up in the exact world that God wanted me to bring you up in. It doesn't mean that things are gonna go well. It doesn't mean, quote unquote, well, that the way that our future plays out is gonna be the way that you or I wanted to or the way that we thought it was, but we can look at them and say, it's gonna be okay because Jesus is still on the throne. And when I pull back, Jesus defeated and looked through the fog it's Jesus defeated the enemy. Jesus defeated Satan. Jesus defeated death. He is not defeated. He is the defeater. And so my prayer this morning, as we pray, what I'm going to ask is we're going to, I'm going to turn a microphone on here. And uh, Andrew, if you could come and maybe play for us in, in, in just a moment. I want to play this video, but if you'd be ready, once she's done, I want you to, because uh, what I'd love for you to hear is the words of a man who is sitting in an Iranian prison who has no idea whether or not he will get out. He has no idea whether or not he will uh, ever see his family again. And listen to the words that, of this letter that he wrote his daughter. And think, this is a guy that's talked to the master. This is a guy that's, he's completely, he can't, re he can't read the internet. He has, he has no access to it. He's, the only thing he's got is the master right now. The only thing he's got is Jesus. And to listen to these words. And I hope that they bolster your faith and dissipate the confusion and dissipate the fear that the enemy wants us to have. Because we've had this quote on our, our sign for a long time, but man, what this world needs right now, we're in a scared world, and what this world needs is a fearless church. Not one that's scared, not one that's hiding, not one that's bearing weapons on the back nine. One that is fearless because we are the ones that we know who has defeated death. So would you listen to these words from Nagme? This letter was written from Saeed to our daughter Rebecca on her eighth birthday. It's third birthday without her daddy. Um, last time she got to see Saeed was when she was five. And so it's just, um, it's a expression of what's going on in Saeed's heart towards Rebecca on this special day, but it's just a hard day, but also as it approaches the two-year anniversary of him in prison. My dearest Rebecca Grace, happy eighth birthday. You're growing so fast and becoming more beautiful every day. I praise God for his faithfulness for, to me every day as I watch from a distance through the prison walls and see pictures and hear stories of how you're growing both spiritually and physically. Oh, how I long to see you. I know that you question why you pray so many times for my return, and yet I'm not home yet. Now there is a big why in your mind. You're asking why. Jesus isn't answering your prayers, and the prayers of all the people around the world praying for my release. 
and for me to be home with you and my family? The answer to the why is who. Who is in control? Jesus Christ is in control. I desire for you to learn important lessons during the, these trying times, lessons that you carry now and for the rest of your life. The answer to the why is who. The confusion of why has all of this happened and why your prayers are not being answered yet is resolved with understanding who is in control. Lord Jesus Christ, our God. God is in control of the whole world and everything that is happening in it is for His good purpose, for His glory, and will be worked out for our good. Romans 8, 28. Jesus allows me to be kept here for His glory. He's doing something inside each of us and also outside in the world. People die and suffer for their Christian faith all over the world, and some wonder why. But you should know that the answer of why is who. It is for Jesus. He is worth the price. And He has a plan to be glorified through our life. I want you to read the book of Habakkuk. And he had the same question as you. But see the Lord answered him in Habakkuk 2.3. The vision comes and doesn't delay on time. Wait for it. Mommy and I always had big desires to serve Jesus and had great visions to be used for His kingdom and for His glory. So today we pay a cost because of God, because God who created us called us to that. And so I want you to know that the answer to all of your prayers is that God is in control. He knows better than any of us what God is doing in our lives and around the world. Therefore, declare as Daniel and his friends Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did in Daniel 3, 17 and 18. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. He will deliver us from your hand, O King. But if not, let it be known to you, O King, that we do not serve your gods, nor will worship the gold image which you've set up. And learn and declare, as Habakkuk did, that even if we do not see the results that we are looking for, God is still good and we will praise His holy name. Habakkuk 3, 17 through 19. Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the field yield no fruit, though the flock may be cut off from the fold and there be no herds in the stalls, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet, and He will make me walk on high heels. Then my be dear beloved daughter, Rebecca Grace, I pray that God will bring me back home soon. But if not, we will sing together as Habakkuk did. Hallelujah. Either separated by prison walls, or together at home. So let Daddy hear you sing a loud hallelujah that I can hear it all the way here in the prison. I'm so proud of you of my sweet, courageous daughter. Glory to God forever. Amen. Kisses and blessings, Daddy. So as we pray this morning, let's pray for Saeed and for Nagme. And maybe that if the Lord wants that, uh, like Miriam Ibrahim, there was a picture last night of Nagme sitting next to Miriam. And if you don't know Miriam, Miriam was the one that was in the Sudanese prison last year. There's last, like this summer. The Lord allowed her to get out. But if we really trust him, if we really trust that his, he's at work. I mean, if you're Paul, who was, the church history teaches us was beheaded. 2,000 years later, I'm pretty sure he's not bummed about it. <laughs> right? I mean, because now when the fog's here, I'm like, that, that. but two, I mean, that, you know, looking back over life, Peter crucified upside down. These guys were sawed. Who knows what God is up to? I just know that this little glimmer of time that we have, if this is all I've got, is this is it, and this little, let's say I get 80 years and that's all I'm holding on to, then yeah, I'm going to feel pretty hopeless. 
If all I'm looking at is whether or not my government can figure out how to root out this ideology, I mean, how do you bomb an idea? I don't know. But if that's where my hope is, then I'm pretty much hosed. But if my hope is in the fact that God is on the throne, looking to the future and from the past, and that someday it says we'll hold on to each other around the throne saying righteous and true, then I can be okay with this. I can pray and know that I do believe Jesus is returning. I believe, I mean, if nothing else, maybe what's happening in the Middle East right now is for Arab nations to come together, to unite together, they're going to have to be united, which means they're going to have to root out the disunity amongst themselves. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe that's what's up. All, all I know is I'm looking to the author and the finisher of my faith, not what Fox or MSNBC or CNN is going to tell me. As we pray, just for the next few minutes here, um, pray where you're seated, sitting and Cortland, I don't, would you mind kicking us off and, and maybe just praying for our government? And, and, and uh, the Bible tells us to pray for our government or for our officials. And as a church, what better thing could we do than that, right? And uh, Nathan, would you mind, would you pray for the, our brothers and sisters in the Middle East? You just came back from China. You, you've seen it, what, can, what a country can look like that's oppressing you know, its people. And, and then as you feel that, just come and pray. And we're just for a few minutes. Worship and we'll we'll go on our way today. Father, I would give this time to you as a church body. There's brothers and sisters. We want to pray uh, and, and offer ourselves as the living sacrifices. And submit ourselves to you, saying that I'm gonna reject fear, I'm gonna reject hopelessness, I'm gonna reject confusion, and embrace the simplicity that is in Christ. the faith to believe that you are still on the throne hmm. and because that is what we believe in our head and our heart that we could believe that those you put in charge of the governments of the world are there because you put them there that these uh, systems that we've set up of government are not systems that you are unfamiliar with. That when we see what we see on the news, that that doesn't shock you. God, as Darren said, help us to see that our fear is false. And that the foundation of the world is you. This world that we live in is still the world that you created. This world we live in is still the world where you and your son have sat down on your throne. You have conquered. You have defeated. And although it may look like chaos, to the creator of the world, chaos is something you could flick away. God, would you give us the faith to see that this is your purpose and this is your plan. And that sometimes when we fear in these moments or when we think, gosh, this is a mess. Maybe it's just a, just a nudge to believe that you are in control. God, could you open our eyes and our hearts and our minds, not to what we see on TV or read on the internet. But God, would you open us to you, to your word, to the idea that you are in control, to the truth that you created all things and you are above all things. Father, I do pray for our leaders here, and I pray for leaders all over the world, that they won't correct the situation, but they'll also put their faith and their trust in you.
the last time I checked, God, that we are still broken people, all of us. And we still need you. God, I pray for the leaders in this world. They'll recognize who you are. And Father, that they will realize that they're in a position because you put them there. God and Lord at times in our life when we have concerns and we have struggles and we have worries and a lot of times it's what are we going to do how are we going to survive how can we overcome Lord we can feel hopeless we can feel lost we can feel overwhelmed we can have great anxiety great worry great fear and Lord um our world can seem very small. It can be focused on ourselves, Lord. And as Darren, Darren has said, and Lord, as your word says, Lord, that perfect love drives out all fear. And Lord, um, I just know from many of us who have been so many other places, Lord, is a lot of times things here in our life, things in America, Lord, are really backwards. Um, we seek to have more things. We seek to have more control. We seek to have better careers, bigger paychecks. And Lord, we lose focus on what is really important, Lord. Um, I know there's so many people in the world that have your word, Lord. There's people that we may never see on the news. There's people that we don't see on the internet. There's there's so many people that are serving you, so many people that are following, following you, Lord. And that they're changing their world. They're changing their communities. They're changing others by your love and lord it's it's in the simple things lord it's it's in telling your your spouse that you love them um recently met a brother um tim in china lord who was a christian lord but because of his culture background they never said i love you to your spouse he had never heard it from his parents he had never heard it from anyone in his life and we talked to him lord and he said i love you for the first time to his spouse and she broke down crying said it was so good to hear those words lord and it's because of love lord that um you have a relationship with us it's because of love of jesus christ lord and lord, we pray for um saeed's family and also so many other people in the world that lord that are being persecuted not only physically but spiritually lord we just pray that um we would be upon your word and that we would love others lord as you loved us and that, Lord, just like um, when Darren said, we can't bomb an idea, that's so true. Lord, we can destroy, we can go to war, we can go all those things, Lord, but what ultimately will change people's lives is love, Lord. So we just pray for your love to be shown through us as we go into the world that we, um, that we are looking out. We aren't just looking at ourselves, Lord, and we're just asking, how can we love the world around us? What impact can you have through us, Lord? feel led to pray. God, your word says that uh, our battle is not against flesh and blood. And when we see horrible images of mask men doing horrible things it's easy to get angered and frustrated against flesh and blood God we pray for your kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven God we, we pray against the darkness and we pray that you would bring the light And not just for our government, government, but um, for us here in Thompson Station, Spring Hill, Middle Tennessee. God, I pray that that love and that light could 
start here with our little church. God, we thank you so much for your son, Jesus, and uh, the things that he teaches us. That the bombs uh, can't, that can't be dropped on an idea, Lord, Just agree that love is the is the only answer, and uh, that our battle is not against uh, those people, um, but it's against darkness. And God, I pray you would just bring us into the light. Does anyone else feel led to pray? for the missionaries that are on the front lines of Iraq and Syria. There are believers out there right now risking their lives like Saeed to bring Jesus. Does anybody feel led to pray for them? Father, we just start off by repenting for our doubt and unbelief. We repent for allowing vain imaginations to exalt themselves above, above you. And we call out for your mercy for us. And we ask you, Father, that for our brothers and sisters in the many, many countries that are experiencing persecution, losing their lives, seeing loved ones tortured and destroyed before them, would make yourself clear and real to them in their time of grief. And Father, that we, in our doubt and unbelief, would turn to you, and we would see you, the same God who is meeting our brothers and sisters that are being assaulted and abused for their faith in you, that we would grasp hold of that same Jesus, that same faith, and we would live it boldly and plainly in our world here. Father, we pray, I pray also for the people of Israel, for the peace of Jerusalem, for the nation of Israel, God, that their hearts would be turned to know Jesus as Messiah. you, Father, that you are never away from us. As we sang this morning, your love never gives up. May we be able to stand with Job, and may our brothers and sisters that are being persecuted be able to stand with Job and say, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. some mission work and 
other things. There's a lot of stuff I don't get. And there's a lot of stuff, God, I think I could say on behalf of all of us that makes me really, really, really mad. And there's times, God, I don't know whether to pick up my gun or pick up the scriptures. I'm reminded of what Martin Luther King said that injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere so there's a lot I don't know but this is what I do know Lord God I know that one day regardless of what people think regardless of what they feel regardless of what they mock regardless of who we feel is in control of our country, their country, any country, this is what I know. One day, you said the sky's going to split. And when it does, you are going to descend with a shout. And a man on a white horse is going to come. And there will be fire in his eyes and a sword from his mouth and he will be on a white horse and you will set all things new. You will make it right. I do know that. I do know, God, that you told me you have overcome the world. And it doesn't matter what people think about it. It it doesn't matter if it's not a fairy tale. It's not a fantasy. It's not something that we can just, oh, you know, people look at us and think, I know, God, that the dead in Christ will rise first. And they that remain will come behind them. And we will go together to be with the Lord. That's what I know. And I know it's true, God, because you said it. So God, we, can, we know that when you said, Jesus, that let not your heart be troubled, well, there's a presupposition that we are troubled, or you wouldn't have said, don't be troubled. You know that we are troubled. And I don't understand. I can't imagine sitting in a, in a prison talking to my boys through a letter I don't understand that, but you do. So God, I pray that our, 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 our faith would come around in a place where we, we can walk with our head up and our eyes forward and breath in our lungs and understand that this was never meant to be our home. You said in 1 Peter that, that we are aliens in this place. This is not our home, and it should not feel like our home. So, God, I pray that we embrace that and walk steady in it so that we can give your name glory. And we come with John, and we say, Lord Jesus, out over the church today, Father, not this church, but the church here in America. Lord, I see a lot of fear, a lot of uncertainty, as Darren mentioned earlier, a lot of confusion, Father, because we see things going on in a world that we simply do not understand. If we keep up with the news and with what's going on around the world, we see people in countries all around us dying for their faith on a daily basis. Father, we see people being persecuted in ways that we cannot even imagine simply because they love you, Father. And they come out of that persecution and they don't go home and they don't curl up on their beds going, oh, woe is me. Instead, they praise you because they felt that they were worthy to be persecuted for your name and they glory in that, Father. Lord, here in America, we don't understand that kind of persecution. Instead, what we're seeing here in America, Father, is a great apostasy. 
a great falling away of the church, a great falling away from our faith. And I believe that's because we're not persecuted. Because we have it so easy here in America, Father. But Lord, times, they are changing. Where 20 years ago, Father, a pastor was looked at with respect in the community, even um, just churchgoers. If a person wasn't a Christian, they'd see someone who was a Christian and they would at least have respect for them. Not anymore, Father. Today we are marginalized. We are ridiculed. We are mocked. So maybe that's how it begins, Father. Maybe that's how our persecution begins, just simply through the fact that society now makes fun of us. But Lord, I'm reminded of the words that Paul taught us, that if you are reviled for your namesake, if we are reviled for the name of Jesus Christ, then we are blessed. If we are made fun of, if we are ostracized, if we are harassed, if we are mocked, if we are ridiculed because our life reflects that of a believer in Christ, Father, we are blessed. Father, may that truth sink in this morning, Lord. And may we not be ashamed of you. May we not be afraid to reach out to Muslims. May we not be afraid to reach out to people of other faiths and and atheists and agnostics. May we not be afraid to reach out to our neighbors and our friends and our family members simply because we're, we're afraid that they may not like us anymore. They may not want to be our friends. Oh, Lord, that's the very definition of being ashamed. The very definition of being ashamed is that we are afraid of the repercussions and the ramifications of telling someone about you, Father. Father, I pray that you will embolden us this morning. That you will give us the courage to reach out to those around us with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, may we be like Paul in the first chapter of Romans where he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the gospel of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. Father, as our world changes around us, as the world's attitude toward us becomes more and more antagonistic, Father, may we stand up boldly and proclaim your gospel to a lost and dying world, Father. feels led to pray who would who feels led maybe to pray for our military Paul tells us in Romans that the government is used for these types of things and we've got men and women that have put their lives on the line one of them sitting in here this morning father I just I just want us all to remember that your word is the highest truth that there is that when all else fails, that we can remember the name of Jesus, the name above every name. We have trials and tribulations and crazy thoughts that come at us every day, even before we come to church today. But Lord, your mercy endures forever. This gentleman that was talking a few minutes ago, Lord, he was talking about what would happen if we didn't have the New Testament. Well, the good news is we do. But in the Old Testament, Father, There's a scripture that you know because I'm your daughter, one that I depend on that is my IV, my intravenous scripture. And that is that your understanding is inexhaustible and boundless. That means your understanding is tireless and knows no boundaries. That you take pleasure in those who hope in your mercy and understanding. And Lord, No matter what happens, we can do that. And I pray for this church and everyone here that we will be messengers of hope and that our prayers will go out to these these men and women uh, across, across the world and this man in prison, that he can be a messenger of hope right where he is. 
you've called us for such a time as this. Just help us to remember that we can always depend on the name of Jesus no matter what. We can, we can take a, a deep breath. We can, no matter what happens, we can just think, Jesus, 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 and get us back to neutral, so to speak. And then our minds will be clear. Help us to remember to pray in the Spirit because that's a refreshing and it's a perfect prayer. Just thank you, Father God, that we will remember, and it is the Old Testament, that, that you are so good and so merciful, that you take pleasure in us. Isn't it, it seems so easy to just say, well, Lord, I hope in your mercy, I hope in your loving kindness, but we forget that sometimes. Just help us to remember it's not hard. Your word tells us it's not. We make it hard and the enemy comes at us through so many facets and tries to make it hard. And it's not. Not when we look to you. We can do all things through Christ. You never expected us to go through any of these things alone. You'll let us because we have a choice. But you never expected us to do it alone. We can go through it with you. And we can come through on the other side and say, wow, just go through something wow that was amazing but it's through you just help us to remember the powerful loving name of Jesus just help us to remember the name of Jesus as we worship for just a little while longer continue in a, in a spirit of prayer Please don't misunderstand me this morning. I believe we should be informed. First Chronicles tells us in the middle of all the tribes of Israel, there was one small tribe called Issachar. And it says in First Chronicles 12, 32, that the men of Issachar understood the times that they lived in and they knew what Israel should do. We're a small band of warriors. I believe it's important for us to understand the times we live in and we know that we ought to do. But it has to start with us not buying into the fear and the confusion. afraid fear is optional don't choose it this morning it says that he who is the Bible says that the guy that is Jesus that has won you over that is taking he's, he's able to hold you safely in his hand he's not going to let go he's not going to lose you Pray as we worship and engage with the Lord this morning. Pray for Saeed, for Miriam, for the faceless, the others, and knowing even, I don't know how to pray. Romans 8 tells us the Spirit is praying for us already anyway. This is our opportunity to report for duty to the Father this morning.